Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, welcome back to the official Geek Speak podcast. I'm your very delirious host, Sean. And join us always is my co-host, Josh Boggart Honey Rudy Rudolph. This is the podcast where we watch movies, make movies, play games, and more. What else can you ask for? And we finally did pay, play games like three episodes ago for The Last of Us. Oh yeah, we did. We've done a few small games here or there. Nothing extreme yet, but we'll see. It's hard playing games on an audio-only medium. So I think it's a think of games that you all can know what we're doing. Just, I regret putting on the intro. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how are you doing today, Yash? Yash? Uh, Yash here is just woke up and just chilling right now. Boggart, honey. That will make sense in probably like 30 minutes, y'all. Or maybe not at all. I have not been this tired or recording in a very long time. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Oh, yeah, the more stuff to talk about at the beginning of the episode. My bad. Most episodes, we go through a different Disney Channel original movie, or DCOM for short. And we see how in a short period of time, the biggest media company on Earth, Disney, caters towards solely children with a large sample size, mostly the quality changes, etc. And today is not an exception to that. Uh, we have watched The Phantom of the Megaplex. Am, am I okay? Probably. You watched that movie, right? Yeah. That's good. I did too. So for new audience members, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, this is a podcast where we have four main segments of the show. We have our decom to get into gear, to get some thing ball rolling, to get some ball rolling, not some ball. I don't know what that means, but we're going to go with it. And then we go to our news of the week, followed by our main topic, whatever it may be, ending the show every every week with our super weird story, which you'll know where it is when we get there. Josh, let's get some ball rolling. <laughs> Indeed, let's do it. Uh, and we will, we will go through our different news segments, as well as our movies we watch, TV shows, etc. We generally give a yay or a nay. Uh, it kind of pisses some people off, I feel like, because we don't actually say if it's things are necessarily as good or bad. It's just more of, like, what's the vibe? But that's the fun part. Yes. So, decom time, Josh. And also, if you have not, if you want to skip around, there are timestamps down below in the description, so you can just jump around to whatever part you want to specifically listen to. You know, if you want to avoid spoilers or something, or whatever. Also, if we discuss spoilers, it'll be very clear in the beginning of that segment. So, for our Disney Channel original movie, we watched The Phantom of the Megaplex. And again, for DCOMs, we usually spoil it completely because they're usually 20 years old. And if you, if you want to watch it, it's 90 minutes on Disney Plus. Go ahead. Uh, Josh, take it over. What do you think this was about? What do you think it was about? 
This is the Disney Channel slash kids version of Phantom of the Opera, minus the creepy sex stuff and the music stuff. And the, the you know, rich plot. That the murder, there's a couple of things it's missing. I wanted the murder in this so badly. <laughs> That's not a joke. <laughs> but basically it's about big movies gonna go on at big movie theater and small child is assistant manager. Everything is going wrong. Small child has to run around. Hold on. If you are picturing like a, like a, a five-year-old, no, like a 16, 17-year-old, not a literally small child. They, they, they got what it meant. There's a, there's a small child that helps also. <laughs> You're not wrong. But he's he's got to hit gumballs with an ice hockey puck. He's got he's to gotta do things to get the girl. Uh, there's a wind machine in the theater that's causing a tornado. There's a lot of things. Mickey Rooney is in this for some reason. It's a time. You know, I didn't realize who that was at first. I, I knew the name Mickey Rooney, and I knew that face, but I didn't put them together. I was like, what the? Who is this? Who is this little dude? Because I don't see him in a lot. Whenever he pops up, he's always a little surprising to me. I don't expect him. <laughs> he's just a little, little shocker. I don't want to keep playing little. He is probably short, but still, this movie is. I had a very visceral reaction of pure boredom into it. You see, I can understand that, but for me, I was more engaged because I've worked at a movie theater for several years, both as an employee and on the management side. So the whole time, I was just like, they're doing that wrong, they're doing that wrong. And okay. That's a lawsuit waiting to happen. <laughs> but also, some things have changed. That Yes, I'm aware. Uh, I worked at a movie theater for a summer, Josh. You know, I'm better than you, clearly. Oh, of course. I don't know why it makes me better. Not just like this. Not same. Better. Jesus. Oh. What the fuck was that noise? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't think today is my day. Just saying. I think that means that it is your day. I think it's my teaser. Today is not. I don't think today is my day. This movie. Also, you said Wind Machine. It's one fan. For the record. Yeah, but it causes the whole theater of that movie to go into chaos because apparently people don't know what a fan is. I think my biggest problem with this movie, everything in it is supposed to be based in reality, but all these unreal things happen that are still supposed to be actually, like, logically happening. And like, I, these DCOMs, because of the budget, make, uh, that's a, usually a problem. I think it works better when they, when they go completely unreal, Yes. If you add a bit of magic or supernatural stuff or, you know, monsters or aliens or something that makes it – or even just wha the wackier you go, it helps to distract from any problems it might have with how that thing is actually going on. Like, because the idea is that this just reminds me of better things while watching it constantly. Uh, to me, I got – I'd rather watch Phantom of the Opera first off instead of this. What do you mean? Or – I think this is just a bad Scooby-Doo movie. Yeah. And even a bad Scooby-Doo movie is better than this. <laughs> I'll be way more entertained. Mm, hold on. Boo Brothers exists. This is on par with a bad Scooby-Doo movie. <laughs> but generally speaking, most bad, bad, bad Scooby-Doo movies are better than this. Uh, I w this was like almost so many other things that are more enjoyable. Yeah. Like, yeah. I want... The, when the bat There's a scene of them in the bathroom... It's like opening, uh, the, uh, we're going to call the cops, you don't come out right now. 
And it, like, this is a Scream movie without Ghostface. Can we just have Ghostface come in? There's like, can, can, please? A Scream movie set in a movie theater would also be really fun. Just saying. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised they haven't done that yet. This movie just isn't fun. And that's its biggest problem to me. Yeah. There, there's a point like halfway through where I was like, all right, I'm I'm getting bored now. My enjoyment of it has disappeared. It sounds like I'm hating this movie a lot. Well, I do. I actually do not like this movie at all. But <laughs> there are some redeeming things to it, I think. There's some good There's some good lines in this. Like one of them I wrote down was the mom is talking to the um, her young daughter. And she was like, I told you last week I need you to babysit. And the daughter replies with, was I listening? There's a interesting speech in this movie from Mickey Rooney about the magic of cinema. Yes. Well, in a like, which, well, in a little dungeon. <laughs> well, in a movie, little a movie memorabilia dungeon. And it's like I'm not a villain. I love movies, which is not a convincing thing. First off, but his name is Movie Mason. That means he loves movies. His name is Mickey Rooney. Oh, <laughs> he's playing Mickey Rooney, Josh. The move, also, spoilers again for this movie. Were you at all surprised at any moment that Sean was the Phantom? Not in the slightest. Okay. Did you, th- did you think it would be him from the beginning? At first, no. But then once he got passed up for the general manager position, I'm like, all right, he's the villain. Because there's no one else. Yeah, the, the second they he on the phone, the general manager position thing happens. I was like, you're not your general manager. It's like, yep, you're the bad guy now. Cool. And what, what's funny about this is that they don't try to make it seem like it's a supernatural kind of phantom. Like with like with Scooby-Doo, like there's always the those elements of like they're trying to make it sound like that it's a, you know, actual ghost or something. But here there's never that. Yeah, like even the villain doesn't try and be an actual ghosty thing. Right? Yeah. Okay. A ghosty thing. Ghosty. Ghoul, if you <laughs> What is a ghoul? It's always sunny. Philadelphia has explained it to me several times, and every time I laugh because of it. But I don't remember what it is. No, because no one can define ghoul. People say it's just a ghost. Now, why are there ghosts and ghouls? They're described separately. The Ghostbusters aren't the ghoul hunters because it doesn't sound as cool. No, I mean like in me they say ghosts and ghouls, and I'm like, what? If they're two different things, what separates them? This is the hard-hitting questions of this podcast. As they should be. Speaking of our ghoul, the Phantom Mickey Wright is not... Also, I'm surprised they didn't make him actually also real at the end. Yeah. Uh, they often, like, would cop out and be like, Ah, the the Phantom was actually, ooh, spooky here all along. Just in the background. Why didn't it do shit? Uh, this movie opens with the idea of this theater was, like, destroyed with someone inside it. They, I think specifically, it was blown up with someone inside of it. Yeah. Which, that's, why did you reopen? They kind of brushed past it. And that's the Phantom, in theory. It's a rumor. But you know what? I don't think I'd go see a movie there. No. Especially a horror one. I'm, I'm picturing the guy who was blown up in there just was just the last person in, in the, watching a movie. Probably. You know, he was just watching the latest DCOM. And then, boom. Actually, Decons aren't in movie theaters. So it doesn't matter. He's watching... What what year was this? 2000? Yes. He was watching Brother Bear? What came out around that time? <laughs> Did Brother Bear kill this man? I think so. That should be on a t-shirt. Did Brother Bear kill this man? Oh, what actually 
happened in this movie, though, Josh? Describe the plot of this movie, besides just little boy works at a job. So there's this kid whose name I don't remember. Um, I'm going to call him Adam because that just it's seems Pete. like... Uh, there we go, Pete. And so he's... He's in high school. He wants to get all the money and all the girls and stuff because, yes, that's exactly what being an assistant manager at a movie theater will get you. He's got to get this theater ready for this giant premiere of a movie that's going to be happening there. But then that night, everything starts to go wrong. People aren't showing up. The place starts to just go into chaos mode. And it's just him trying to figure out, like, how to keep the whole place together and not lose his mind. I want... A switch that turns the theater into chaos mode. Just a little button. I would prefer that to not exist. This movie is a weird one, but not in a good weird. Just in some of the choices they did are weird choices to make. The content of the film is not nearly weird enough, but they did some odd things. Like, why would you choose that route? Why does Movie Mason exist? Because he loves movies. <laughs> As a writer of the screenplay, why do you add him? It, it, as a, you know, why would you add this character? Maybe Mickey Rooney just showed up on set and wouldn't leave. To just, I can't describe Movie Mason. He is a, a, an old man who does not work at a movie theater, who goes to work every day, unpaid, hands in. His work schedule, he makes for himself to the assistant manager, who throws it away in front of him. I think it explained that his... That his ancestors were the ones that originally opened the first theater there, but I don't... Ancestors? I don't know. Some kind of relative. Yeah, they're his family. Like, it's his... He is who the theater should be... He's who the owner should be, in theory. He cares so much, but, like, move on. Go to a different theater. He's so weird. I think he shouldn't exist in this movie. (laughs) Not the actor Mickey Rooney, but the character Mickey Rooney. <laughs> the character Mickey Rooney. You know what I'm saying. Movie Mason doesn't exist in this movie. Mickey Rooney only exists as Mickey Rooney. Again, I think he just wandered onto set one day, and no one wanted to say no to him, so they just wrote him into the movie. Oh, oh hold on. Let's back up a second. Because before I get into the weirdest more Movie Mason, let's talk about some, some hard-hitting Disney tropes that still exist. In this decom, like the single parent trope. They really love to use that trope. I thought they were going to have the, the dad be the one who was blown up <laughs> at first. Because how funny would that have been? That would have been so strange. Because Pete's younger brother and sister really love movies. And he doesn't, but he's the one that works at the movie theater. And just a weird dark twist that would have been it'd be like, oh yeah, our dad died in the theater. But he made me more interesting. I just don't get. I, I just don't get this movie. And I just sound like I'm being harsh. I know, and I am being harsh. But there's a reason. I didn't like it. This is so random for a Disney Channel movie because this is this is a new version of Phantom of the Opera. But why? I guess it's so parents like, oh, this is kind of like this is reminiscent. Why not? Let's put it on for our kids because it's a version they can see. You know, for the parents who are obsessed with Phantom of the Opera. Every parent. Of course. The best, the best demographic to pick. The Gerard Butler version hadn't come out yet, so they couldn't have been obsessed with it. I thought you were going to say Gerard Way, like the singer from My Chemical Romance, um, which is, a, I think he should be Phantom of the Opera, totally. 
I mean, he could sing better than Gerard Butler. <laughs> he also is a DM for uh, Dimension 20. He plays Dungeon, he, Dungeons and Dragons. And he's a voice actor. He's a cool person. Like, unrelated. Just a really cool dude. The movie starts, all, all the employees are at work. None of them are wearing uniform until that night. Yeah. But they're still at work. Yeah, like, I'm willing to bet, like, they're getting paid, and yet none of them were wearing their uniforms? <laughs> I don't know how movie theaters functioned in the mornings 20 years ago, but it's not like they're closed and they just got there early for to set up and stuff. No, there are customers there, patrons. I love how in his opening, like, uh, voiceover, Pete's like, we have over 20 theaters, we do, like, 7,000 people on, like, a busy weekend, we have over 50 people working a day, and then for this, you know, big premiere night that's a packed, you know, house, there's, like, seven people total. Also, why are people still in the theater at this premiere night? Because they got movies to see. No, but why... Were the movies scheduled to still play? Because you can't have this movie without that. I know. Stop making these weird contrivances, movie, that don't make sense. That's my issue. So one of those movies, like I said before earlier, is supposed to be, like, realistic, like, based in reality. And they just don't follow how the real-world logic works for things. And not even, even interesting ways. They're just like, that doesn't make sense kind of thing. I want to go watch... Fucking Waterboy, what's this one? You know, the Mermaid Man. Let's watch that one instead, Josh, 13th year. Let's watch, because that one was at least gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the requirement now. I mean, it's more interesting than this. This is a very straight movie. There, It's so funny, like, some of the moments that, that happen. Like I said, he cleans up gumballs that spill all over the floor, not by, you know, get, grabbing a broom and sweeping them up real quick, but by grabbing a hockey stick and shooting them into a trash can while there's patrons around cheering him on. I'm just like, what? I didn't write any notes down, and I want to res- respond at this point to you. <laughs> so remember in the beginning when he when Pete's at home and his he's eating a bowl of something? Oh, hold on, hold on. I'll stop right there. I unfortunately remember all of this. <laughs> Go on. What was he eating in that bowl? Was there food in it? He was eating something, but it didn't look like food I'd ever seen before. My guess is like oatmeal or something then? No. <laughs> no? It was some weird green thing, and it wasn't spinach either, so I don't know what... It was a big bowl also. I think it was supposed to be probably a salad then. That, that that was too wet and thick for a salad. You know, you don't eat your just juicy salads, your moist salads, Josh. If you're eating moist salads, I think you're eating salads wrong. I know some people who like cook their salads. That makes more sense. Does it? I don't know. I'd rather have wet lettuce than warm lettuce. We'll add that to a T-shirt, also. We need to make a merch line of just weird lines. Actually, please email us in your fu- the your favorite moment in the show so far because i'm making a tiktok page for this show i want i'm gonna put make some good funny moments on there because i think there are some funny moments i think we said something funny in 38 episodes probably wait there was something relevant about two episodes episodes ago i didn't we were supposed to discuss oh yeah guys shazam episode it wasn't late you want to know why it's now on dvd soon <laughs> so if anything we timed it perfectly yeah totally that was my that's my one bit of news. Go on, Josh. 
what was the the movie that was premiering was called Midnight Mayhem, and there was a T Rex on the poster. But what was the movie about? Because they never say what it was about. <laughs> no, and at one point, a little boy, not the main little boy, the little little boy, he goes in the manager's office and reads the plot of the movie. But again, the th- the film even said that what's the selling point of the movie is that nobody knows what it's about. And the kid's like, oh yeah, it's on the site. We can look it up. Well, he's. It's not on the the website. It's the the managers have their own private database of what of all the movie stuff. No, he said there was a. No, he said it was on like a spoiler movie like website thing. Oh, and the movie's not out yet. How does it get there? That's what I'm saying. That's stupid. I'm, I'm, <laughs> screw you, Decom. Be better. This part irked me as a theater employee and manager. When there's a giant line of people that they're tearing tickets for them to go to their theaters, they're not telling them what theater they're supposed to be going to. They're not checking, you know, times. They're not checking the IDs. They're just, like, tearing tickets and just shoving them away. And no one is waiting in that line. They're just walking past. Yeah! Uh, at least in an actual theater, people will wait in the line, usually. That was a weird thing, because they don't want to get kicked out, and there's a risk of getting a high risk of getting kicked out if you didn't go through the proper line. It's weird. Uh, I think the dinosaur. Let's talk about that because it's a giant blow up dinosaur. That's what's in the roof of the Phantom. Sean, not me. Sean, movie Sean. I'm also movie Sean, but not that kind of movie Sean. You know the one in this. He apparently brought the giant dinosaur down into the theater to over the premiere and blew it up as it was happening, so it would go and attack them. It grabs them and eats them. It's a <laughs> It's a blow-up dinosaur, and it's spaced perfectly, apparently, for that to happen. That, and that, when I say blow-up dinosaur, you're probably thinking, like, you know, one of those costume-sized ones. No. Like, room-sized, which, how does that exist? This is... It's so weird, because, like, there's only two... Basically, so what the his plan is, is just scare them with the blow-up animals... And that's going to ruin the premiere. Why is it working? I don't know. <laughs> also, no one's questioning a, a child running and jumping with a sword in his hand. Because he, he he's an employee there. He's doing his job. Uh, he jumped off of a balcony with a sword in hand to try and stab this thing. In reality, he would have bounced off and fallen and stabbed himself. <laughs> that boy should be dead. Not like I want him dead. But like I mean, it, it's based on things happening in real life that would have happened. But also, I have more questions. Sean the Phantom tied himself up twice. <laughs> he did it twice. Different ways. The second and both ways were effective actual tying to get. I, the, huh? se- the second time is even funnier because it's in his office and he's hanging off of the door tied up. So he either had to tie himself up first or hang himself up first, then tie himself. Either way, it's funny. I think he went to magic camp. Wouldn't surprise me. He also was banking on people finding him at the right times. Yeah. If those kids were not inquisitive enough, then the premiere would and he would have someone would have wa- Lost? I don't know if he... I don't know. Because they were the right amount of inquisitive to make him almost succeed, but too inquisitive to make him actually fail, which makes no sense. Why did he tie himself up twice? Who knows? 
There's also this little subplot with, like, this jock that's trying to get with the same girl that Pete's trying to get with. And at one point, there's a contest of, like, pulling a sword out of the stone to get free movie passes. And the jock does it, and but the chaos is happening, so he can't get his passes. He's just like, I demand passes! And Pete's just like, I'll get you passes later. He's just like, well, what are you gonna do? And I'm just like, what? He did say come back tomorrow, though. And I thought he theater patrons would be mad about that. Yeah, well, oh, oh well. But then he's like, I'll, I'll come back to kick you out later. And then we never see him again. And not only that, he put the sword back, which I feel like is your proof that you won the contest. That's a good point. But then the funniest thing about that is that the girl that Pete liked still hadn't like chosen a guy yet. And then out of nowhere, she's just like, I, I'm with I'm with him now. It's like she's a part of their group as they like try to solve the ending. I'm just like, wait, what? How do we get to this point? Even an actual celebrity in the movie refers to him as his girlfriend. Yeah, it's weird. This movie should be a horror movie. Like an actual horror movie. Yeah, there's never an actual attempt to scare. There's no attempt to do anything in this movie, Josh. You're not wrong. (laughs) Also not a weird side plot, like the one you mentioned. The mom is on a date. The kids want them to get engaged really badly. Yes. And at the end of the movie... He, this man proposes to her and from everyone for virtually zero reason. Because he's someone's just like, oh, we need uh, some kind of like big finale or something like that, which is random for some for anyone not in a movie to say. Yeah, life isn't you don't have a finale. You have the next 20 minutes, the next hour, the next day. You know, it's not really that's not how it works. But more so on that, he changed his mind because of a plant metaphor. <laughs> and it's so stupid. It's not even a good metaphor. I give this movie a nay. Uh, yeah, I'll probably give it a nay too. It was a fun like one time of just seeing what movie theaters were like in the early two thousands, but now I'm just like I don't want to watch this again. I would rather watch the vampire one from last week. Yeah, because those kids were way more fun to like, more enjoyable to, like, to watch for ninety minutes than these kids too. Are you ready to move on, Josh? Do you have any more thoughts? No. Final thing to say about the decom. It's a thing. On that note, let's go to the news. <laughs> we had news this week, Josh. Crazy. As we do every episode, that's part of the show. The WGA strike marches on, and it will continue to be the case for quite some time. So be prepared for more shows delaying, uh, more reality TV shows, and studios attempting to write AI shows for no reason, for some dumb reason. Yay. But also, we've had a lot more celebrities come out and be in support of this strike, which is, like, I mean, a lot more writers and directors and actors have come in and be support that we didn't, we might not have thought about. Like, Matt Reeves was on the picket lines. I love that. Yeah. Um, and so I do like that a lot. We also got word from Deadline that Seth MacFarlane and the showrunners for, America, showrunners for American Dad and Family Guy are halting all work until the strike ends, doing a fair deal for writers. That's great. Very good. The Mandalorian is halting all production and season uh, on the new season until, you know, the writer's strike ends. Another good thing. This is the way. I am generally excited for good quality shows to, to make that choice. And then shows to realize, we can get past this. Yeah, let's try it. Like what Lost did and Heroes. And we all know what happened there. Heroes is like the most infamous, infamous example of that from 2007. Yeah. You've probably even heard about that. Yeah. Season one, phenomenal. Season two, what the fuck? Because everyone, you know. Strike happened, and the writer people just carried on without the same writers at all. They just hired people. 
yay for writer strike going on because that means they're actually causing disruption. Yay. Mario movie, Josh. It has passed one point two billion dollars. You know, I would think this would be cool if it was an actual like quality movie. <laughs> <laughs> the shade from Mario. I'm from Josh. You're Mario now. <laughs> yes, I'll throw the shade because no matter what, this movie was going to print money, and it pisses me off that they didn't put in more effort. You heard it here first, folks. Josh is a Mario movie hater, and he hates fun and children. Correct. Here's news that's really funny to me because of what we talked about two episodes ago. Literally, again, two episodes ago. Not like long episodes ago. Shazam! Fury of the Gods has ended its theatrical run, which is... Very funny. And it ended it with $133 million. Not just domestic, worldwide. That's so bad. It's it's so amazing how Warner Brothers just left that film to die. It's really upsetting, actually. It should have been marketed a lot better. It shouldn't have had Wonder Woman in the marketing. It shouldn't have had bad... They should have actually pushed it out. Both Shazam movies kind of flopped. And neither should have. Yeah, like, the first Shazam was a was a movie set at Christmas, would have worked perfectly at the Christmas season, but Aquaman was coming out that time, so they're like, and no one cares about Shazam, we'll put it out in April. Because, yeah, that makes sense. People at Warner were saying, I think if I was Zaslav or if it's Gunn, one of them said the other one always thought Shazam was sent out to die. Um, and it was. It shouldn't have been, I think it was David Zaslav said that uh, that Shazam was sent out to die for the Gunn's new universe thing, and I'm like, Bud, you were in charge. You were in charge of this whole operation. <laughs> like, I can understand the the idea that Gunn's announcement made people go, ah, it doesn't matter, but I can tell you for a fact, most general audiences don't know about the reboot, so it didn't affect them. It did for anyone who actually knew who Shazam was, I think, though. Yeah, but I would still, even, even if I was someone that had, like, a huge investment in it, I wouldn't be like, ah, I'm not gonna bother with this at all, it doesn't matter anymore. No, I would still go see it. Yeah, I hate the idea that because what this series is, or this thing as a part of is ending, the movie doesn't have worth anymore. It happened in New Mutants, which was a fun movie. Like, it's not great, but it's fun. And it happened to, like, it happened a lot of movies, or, like, like for instance, the Divergent series. It, didn't, it never finished. Oh, one yeah. Have to make. But it doesn't mean that, that you should just stop, you should inherently just discount that whole series of the last movie because, you know, they didn't finish it. That's not how that should work. The movie still exists. You should still watch what was made. I don't know. It didn't really set up a sequel either, so it's fine. It should have had a different ending, which we discussed two episodes ago. You yes. Go, it, it just came out like two days ago. You all should check it out. I have other DC-related news, Josh. Cool. Which, it's not chaotic news. Aw. What? Isn't that refreshing, though? I guess. Dear God, I'm tired of DC chaotic news. That's true. DC, DC's chaotic news has been kind of at the forefront for a while now. We have Superman legacy potential news. Oh, yeah. We we have from the Hollywood Reporter, they put out this whole article. And apparently there are numerous rumored things going on. Let's break. Let's talk about Lois Lane first. You know who Lois Lane is. Yes. I saw many replies saying, what about Amy Adams? Where is she and stuff? Guys. It's a new universe. They're new. They're doing new casting. It's a whole new thing. Snyder fans, those are done. Well, Move I, on. I've heard from, yeah, but I've heard all the Amy Adams thing. I think a lot of people just don't know it's happening. So they see casting rumors for Lois Lane. They don't really, just casually who are like, keeping up with things. I'm like, oh, are they recasting Amy Adams? 
you know, most people, until there, actually, until there is a new movie coming actually out in theaters, general audiences, I don't think, will know that there is a reboot. Yeah, they. I think that DC should rebrand the films going forward so that way people can tell distinctively that this is something new. Put DC Studios very clear. Yeah. Because that was, that was not a thing before. Like how Marvel Studios, I know people go see, have seen, like, avoided things like Venom or X-Men or Fantastic Four or whatever while the MC was going on because it didn't have the studios part of the logo in it. I remember people called and it's like, oh, it's like, it's Marvel's, like, B-list or something. I'm like, I mean, yeah, kind of. Anyway, we have two Margot Robbie's on this list of potential Lois Lanes, and by that I mean Emma Mackey and Samara Weaving. <laughs> That's also not an insult. I mean, they just look, they look similar. I'm also not. I'm not trying to discount their talent. It's just saying that they're more Margot Robbie's. I mean, compare their faces. I just thought it'd be a funny joke, but they have the same face, and it's actually confusing because they were in, they were in a movie together recently, it, uh, Babylon. Samara Weaving, right? Yeah. Emma Mackey, Rachel Brosnahan. Phoebe Dynavor and Samara Weaving are the mixed way Lois Lane in Superman Legacy. These are all good actresses. Yes. Uh, literally all of them. But I like all four of these potential castings. I really think Emma Mackey, you said sex, sex, sex education, right? Yes, she's very good. Samara Weaving, I think, is one I've seen the most of these four people. I think she's really, really talented. I'd be fine with any of these actresses. Again, me saying two Margot Robbies. Was not being serious. I want to be very clear. They're fantastic and individual and unique and amazing. Again, I also just want to say amazing in the current context of what we know now. As we've learned with Ezra Miller and Jonathan Majors. Okay, it's mostly male, male presenting people. Um, people can suck that we don't know about yet. So when we praise an actor, please understand. We can't read the future yet. 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 Also in this article, we have other casting potential things with Nicholas Holt and David Corinsweet as potentially both maybe the two frontrunners right now for Superman. There was a discounted rumor that, that Nicholas Holt was for Lex Luthor. That was corrected. That was not it was a miscommunication. He was up for Superman, apparently, which is really funny because he was like the number two choice for the Batman in the Batman. And now he's like, I'll be Superman instead. Which is really, it makes sense, because in comic books, Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent look almost indistinguishable from each other. Yeah, I definitely think he could um, do the Clark Kent stuff very well. People say David, people have been fan casting David Corinswet now for like three years as a young, young Superman, because he looks like a young Superman. Mm -hmm. But, he, oh, he's in Pearl. Oh, yeah, he was really good in that. But I haven't seen him in anything else. A lot of people like him in The Politician as well. So I have not watched The Politician yet, but I know Ben Platt is very old for that part. So what you're saying is, is that Ben Platt needs to be Superman. That is exactly what I was saying, Josh. Ben Platt for Superman. You heard it here first. Do you have any thoughts on any of these casting rumors? Like, yeah, sure, whatever, or no, or whatever. If, you know, no, or whatever. If these prove to be true, I think that'd be pretty cool. But even Gunn said that to kind of like take any kind of things like this with a grain of salt because... There's a lot of people that have, you know, been in consideration and everything. I love when he is mad at people on Twitter. It's sped out lies. I'm so happy that he's actually, like, shooting down rumors and stuff. It's very nice. But it also leads to people to more rumors of, like, he didn't say no to this one kind of thing. James Gunn has also said, this is a, a small news piece, that he said one person has been cast already in Superman Legacy so far. One person. And it isn't any of the regular players in the Superman world. So it's just some side person. 
Spy Kids reboot. We're getting that, Josh. First off, why? But Everything is inevitable. Zachary Levi and Gene Rodriguez are starring in it, which is an interesting duo. I'm, I'll see what it's like. I'm, I think they both got good comedic chops. I think it's really funny if they play Jeannie and Carmen because both those actors are still around and still like acting. They played the adult versions of themselves in the fourth one with Jessica Alba. Right, so this reboot is just them again, but trying again is really funny to me. But honestly, I'd never heard of a reboot of anything from the same creator. So I'm really down for that idea, actually. I just, I don't want it to be Rodriguez because his visual style for these movies is not good. I hate how they look and I hate how they feel. I hear you. That's why a lot of people like them, though. So most people I know, that's part of their charm. I don't think any of the three of them are that great. I actually am the person who likes the third one the most, and everyone hates me for it. It walked so Ready Player One could stumble. <laughs> I hate that Rodriguez is doing these movies again because after like a little battle angel, I'm like, oh, so you can do something different and neat and interesting with really good action and direction. And now you're doing this stuff again. Why? But my news piece is that it will be, I have, we have a release date now, which oh, is your favorite thing. When's yeah. it coming out? Late 2023. So release window, I guess. So it's already been filmed. <laughs> yes, it's finished. Oh boy. And the effects are going to be great. Speaking of, you know, flames and destruction, Oppenheimer. Yeah. You see the new trailer came out? Like, yes. This week? Okay, what do you think? It's got Einstein in it. That's all I need. That was bizarre, right? Seeing Einstein or just the trailer? Yeah. Sure. sure. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting. It's a very, it's still a very, very whitewashed version of history, which I'm not a fan of, but... Sure, it, I'm gonna see it. I'm, I'm gonna see Barbie first. I I like seeing people being like, "Oh, this is like saying that creating an bomb was like a good thing and that saved humanity." I'm like, pay attention to the trailers. There are specific moments of where it's just like you have just doomed humanity with the creation of this. Literally, every poster is framing Oppenheimer as a villain. Like, there's not a single thing from this that's like this is a good thing. It's about this sadistic man who thought this is a good, good idea to make this. Like, the film is literally going to be going from full of color and hope and everything to dark black and white after he created the bomb. Because Nolan's artsy, Josh. He's an auteur. You don't get it. An He's auteur. special. He's different. He made Tenet. Remember, temporal pincer movement. Inception. The Prestige, Josh. That's a good one. Hugh Jackman. Christian Bale. Now we're just saying things. The Meg 2! Wait, that's our next news! <laughs> Numerous things. Did you see these posters by chance? I had them for you if you have not seen them yet. And I gotta say, the tagline of New Meg, Old Chum, is hilarious. They understand what kind of movie they're making. New Meg, New Chum, for new characters. <laughs> because this is just like, this is fun. The first one has, my review of it was Big Sneaky Shark. Why it's so sneaky? Wait, there's two? That's the movie. If you That review is the entire movie. I don't have other things to say about the movie, but it was fun. See, that's what all DCOM should be. That level of nonsense. I just love that now there's just more of them. Did you watch the trailer for it? Yeah, it looks so stupid, but I love it. Statham just... Also, that thumbnail is fantastic of Statham on the pier holding his foot up to the shark's mouth. 
And stopping the shark. Because he's Jason Statham. <laughs> Jason Statham is a caricature of himself in movies at this point. The best role he's ever done is in the Melissa McCarthy movie Spy. He is no. so, he is so funny in that. The best role he's ever done is in the Meg, Josh. Ah, you're right. Speaking of freaky things, we have Freaky Friday sequel. We're getting a sequel that's in the works currently with Lady, with both Lindsay Lohan and Damon Lee Curtis reprising their roles. Yay. Which is confusing. What is the... Is it going to be that are it's they, a mom and grandma now? Are they going to do it? Or is, like, Lindsay's kids going to have it happen to them? Like, what's going to happen here? Is it going to be Jamie Lee Curtis just swapping with her with different people in her own mind? I feel like this is kind of a film that shouldn't happen. <laughs> what if no one swaps in it? They're just dealing with the, with the trauma of the first one. <laughs> it's a, like, hardcore, so, like, sob story drama, yellow screen match kind of movie. I don't know. I just have a feeling that this is just going to go straight to Disney+. Plus. Make it introspective, weird, and sad. Freaky Friday 2. Now we're in therapy. Uh, nay. Nay. Like, I like those two, but I just don't want this to exist. Yay or nay to Oppenheimer trailer? Yay. And yay or nay to Meg trailer? Oh, hard yay. Hmm, we have a hooray here, folks. We have also companies doing a little dance. Making a little love. Getting down tonight. With Disney Plus combining with Hulu by the end of 2023 to a new platform. Those will still have separate platforms, but you can get the combined version. I guess that'll make it easier to find, like, certain things. That'll be great for grandmas. Oh, yeah. Disney Plus. His knee. <laughs> Disney for boys. It's his knee. <laughs> Josh, we found his knee. Oh, God, nay. I don't want the companies merging any sort of way anymore. I think it reminds me of that skit from Futurama. Wait, we're just making by and large, Disney. What the fuck? I mean, to be fair, Disney owns Hulu. I know, but now you're making it more obvious to the general public. You're like, we're going to test the waters, see if we can make by and large, with more and more companies merging into the... Because like, having companies be owned by other companies, like, like most people do not know, Amazon owns Twitch. Amazon owns IMDb. Stuff like that. But that's not generally known. This is them testing the waters to see if we can have it under one name. I'm like, no, we don't want to have all one name, one company. We already own everything. Just hide it from us. Please hide it. We don't want to be reminded that we are in this awful hellscape of a world. Yay, your name on companies doing a dance. Eh, nay. I have the most wild out-of-pocket news we've had in a very long time, Josh. Deadline is reporting that a movie, new movie has been cast called Flight Risk, starring Mark Wahlberg, directed by Mel Gibson, following a pilot who is transporting a dangerous criminal for trial. When I tell you I laughed so hard and said, are we really doing this right now? When I first saw this. Did Mark Wahlberg tell Mel Gibson the story of how he could have prevented 9-11? Did Mark Wahlberg tell him the story of how he, you know... Committed hate crimes. Oh, Lord. Mark Wahlberg is a racist, awful individual still. We make jokes about him on here because he's not a good dude. He's just still in stuff, and he has to keep coming up. He just keeps showing up. Like Uncharted. He's the wrong choice, but 
but he's there. This is a bizarre movie. How is this being? How is this greenlit? Because who knows? Mel Gibson should not be making movies anymore. This movie is a is a is a burning pile of shit. Um, I'm not gonna see it. Josh, I can say probably won't see it because it's not the kind of thing we should really support. No. We are ending the news with Michael Keaton. Cool. And other things. You've watched a movie. A few. Have you? Are you sure? I think so. I'm not, I'm not so sure. You can tell this podcast. I'm slowly waking up, which is fascinating to see in real time. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, have a whole lot this week of Beetlejuice 2 news. Oh, yeah. First off, we have confirmation, like double, triple confirmation at this point. Because we talked about this like a few months ago, and it's like, isn't this already confirmed we, uh, this week? I'm like, like yes, it is. It confirmed again. So... It's confirmed again, y'all. It'll release in 2024. So next year, that's how math works. 36 years after the first film, which is weird in perspective to me. And I keep thinking, oh yeah, Michael Keaton's a lot older than he used to be. (laughs) And we have casting news that Jenna Ortega is going to be in the movie as the daughter of Winona Ryder's Lydia Dietz. So that's kind of fun. Oh, she was like rumored before. But this is that's good casting for that, I feel like. I however want Jenna Ortega to branch out now after seeing her things like the Fallout and Scream Five and Six. Like I'm excited to see what else she does. She seems smart enough to know that this is not really like, oh, I want to be big franchises now. She's doing it as a calculated career move. My thing with it is that after coming off of Wednesday, playing Lady Deeds' daughter, like, oh, that's not the most like original choice in the world. But also, she might just love Tim Burton now, working with him. Uh, it could very much be that. Or again, a lot of zeros in the check. You know, we love those zeros. <laughs> and we got, of course, the news that went around with that will be returning according to Deadline in Beetlejuice 2. As well as in really out of, weird, out of context, weird, fun casting, that Willem Dafoe will be in Beetlejuice 2. Make him Beetlejuice. Just kick up Michael, Michael Keaton. Make <laughs> Willem Dafoe. Make him play some weird demon. Like, you know how those, like, the weird dune sandworms in Beetlejuice? Make him one of those. I'm fine with Willem Dafoe playing pretty much any role ever. I just had a thought. Are they going to bring back Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin? And if they are, how are they going to deal with the Alec Baldwin stuff? <laughs> They're ghosts. Ah, true. You can just have... They've... They won't probably... They could just be in a different house now. Like they can, I mean, like the main cast will just be in a different, different house. Lydia will be because she's grown up. She'll have just moved out of that haunted house at some point. I feel like. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash 
upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You think? Or a ghost. They're going to CGI Alec Baldwin, Josh. Young Alec Baldwin. Oh, God, that'd be terrible. They might be CGIing those two ghosts. Don't say that. That's very likely at this point. You know that. Ending on weird CGI monsters, is the end of our news leading into more CGI monsters for our main topic? Any thoughts on the final, the Beetlejuice 2 castings overall and the news we have so far, yay or nay? Uh, yay. Yay! It's time for the Spiderwick Chronicles, a movie you all probably surprised we're watching for this podcast. Guess what? We're surprised too. The reason for it? It's on HBO. The reason for it? That's literally the reason for it. Like, we haven't seen this in a while. Want to watch it? Yeah, this is a fun discussion. And it is going to be a fun discussion because, you know what? It's fun. I haven't seen this since I was a child. It's been a very long time. I have seen it twice before this. I owned it on DVD, but never got got myself to put it on fully. I almost always watched it 20 minutes and then something came up. I watched it last in 2019. And I'm like, I always forget. This also will have spoilers in it. This movie's out, been out for a long time. Come back to this episode. Watch the movie on HBO Max. Go watch the movie on HBO Max and come back and watch this. Listen to this. Okay? Everyone good? Cool. This movie, Josh, is fun. I will say that first off. I had a good time. But I always forget what happens at the end because it's such a forgettable, dumb ending. Yeah. I think this movie is a great TV show. <laughs> Cringe in nine minutes. It's... What's funny is is that it starts out pretty good and well-paced, and then it just quickly, like, just starts rushing through stuff to hit that 90-minute mark. That's what I told you about before I watched this. I said, because I've read all five books so far, I said to you that, from my recollection, this does the first two books with good pacing and rushes, like, the last three. I told you that before we watched it. And I stand by that. Yeah. I think this would be a great two-and-a-half-hour movie, or make it a season-long show. One season to miniseries. And you can add... I'm not saying change a bunch of stuff to the books, necessarily. I'm just saying you can add a lot more to it. You can develop Jared more, develop Simon more, show their relationship, show Mallory, show her life, what her, she, why she's in the fencing. I also recall in the book, they, if I'm correct, we actually see her in fencing class as well. We, there's more of their lives that's just missing. I would have enjoyed seeing that. Also, this movie casually mentions suicide. And, like, infidelity. It's a, it's a strange kids movie. It is 
a Strange Kids movie. I don't, think, I don't think it's bad. Like I've said, this is a fun watch to watch for the first two thirds, I think. Yeah, one what, what of my uh, biggest problems with the movie was how it kind of start, it sets up this interesting world, but then there's a point of like where it just like doesn't go further with exploring it or really explaining anything. But I've told you before that this movie is just, you know, Disney is just, Di- Gravity Falls is Disney spider work, spider work. And it's very true. Dipper Pines is Simon and Jared merged together. (laughs) Yeah. And there's even twins in both franchises. I can... The Journal being obsessed with the idea... Actually, there should have been more obsession with the idea of the author in this. Especially since they're related. Also, I don't want to say Spoiler Gravity Falls. I don't want to do that. But you know what I'm thinking about right now. With the author. Yes. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of similarities in those two shows. I do believe that Alex Hirsch when pitching Grady Falls, might have referenced Spiderwick. He probably did. And, it, and its success. This should have been longer, like how Grady Falls was yes. longer. It's good books, it's good characters. I really, really love Freddie Highmore's performance in this. He definitely plays what seems like an autistic person in this better than he does in The Good Place. You mean The Good Doctor? No, 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 not The Good Place, The Good Doctor. It's like when I, when I saw two Freddie Highmores, I was just like, ah, two good doctors, ah! <laughs> So, briefly, I'm actually going to touch on that because uh, I have a unique pr- perspective on that show. I'm not going to get into more about that right now. But the good doctor, everyone keeps clipping the I am a surgeon thing. I am absolutely okay with mocking that show. I am okay with mocking Freddie Highmore for taking an autistic role while not being autistic and for him advocating for Autism Speaks, an ableist organization. Don't mock the actual content of that clip, that specific clip, though. Because, like, there are actual testing people who have meltdowns similar to that exact experience where you're stuck in repeating the same words or phrases and getting louder and kind of stuck on a loop. That can happen to people. So that one scene in particular is not the worst depiction ever. He is overacting, probably, that he's overacting the whole show. And if you pull out almost any other clip, he's still being a caricature of autism, not, like, actually being autistic. And didn't reference anyone who like, didn't actually ask autistic people. First off, if he should take the part, or secondly, how to act the part, you know? But, like, that one clip, maybe mock the actor, not that exact performance. Anyway, Freddie Highmore's in this twice. One of them is probably autistic, and that's Simon, not Jared. He's just wild. Jared is a menace, but rightfully so, I think, in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. I love Jared in this movie so much. Because, first off, this kid is iconic. He starts out with giving his time with his mom the silent treatment and doesn't break it. No. Like, <laughs> not in a, like, I don't, can, I don't recommend that. I'm just saying, sticking to it is bold. <laughs> this movie, if you're not familiar with the story, these triplets, well, not triplets, these twins and their older sister, Mallory's definitely older. Mallory, Simon, and Jared. Jared and Simon are the two twins. Both of them are Freddie Highmore. People were convinced they actually were twins for a long time. Were you convinced as a child? I mean, yeah, I never had any reason to doubt that. And and I, for 2008, having two of them in the same scene together, it actually was very impressive. I was watching off that a lot about how they did it. Um, they're rarely the same frame with the same face showing. Like very few shots of that because it's smart. He clearly also had a body, body double for you know make things easier to not have to reshoot things twice. They don't do a lot of J and L cuts with the voice, which surprised me. Yeah, because oftentimes to help sell that effect. You would do more like cuts that have audio of one character 
overlapping the one of the other character because that way it shows that they're in the same room. They do that very rarely here, and that, that again that was very shocking. But it honestly worked. I never really doubted them the, them both existing. Yeah, they, so these three kids and their mom, who I forgot the name of, I think it's just mom, move into this old creepy house, the Mystery Shack. Nope, wrong show. Uh, <laughs> and it's just this old mansion. It's covered in spiders. Who? Spider webs. Spooky. There's weird mushrooms in a circle around the house. In an almost perfect circle. Like, you didn't make any mistakes there. Yeah. That's impressive. It wasn't like a weird, like, blob shape, which it probably would have been in real life. It is ominous because things just keep happening. He hears a rat in the walls and starts poking holes in the wall with a broom. They find a dumbwaiter. And, you know, it's like it's an old house at first. Then there's a brownie. Not the edible kind. Well, I guess he probably could be edible. But not the chocolate kind. A little, little dude. A little Martin Short. A short Martin Short. I think this is one of those two most iconic roles of all time. This and Jack Frost. He did not get a mop though in this movie, unfortunately. Sadly, he did not. They discover secrets. Dipper finds the journal. He meets the author. I'm sorry. It's just, this should have been, this would have been easier to avoid comparisons, I think, if they get developed these, the, the things that were different more. If they focus on Mallory's life at all. Like, for a minute. Yeah. Mallory is not a character in this movie. She's just a woman who has a sword. That's her character. Simon is just... The smart one. The, yeah. Josh, they are, um, there's Alvin and the Chipmunks. We have Simon. <laughs> the smart one. Alvin is Jared. And then Theodore is Mallory. Wait. That, yep, sure, why not? The plot of this movie is they just find, you find the journal, it takes it outside, they get captured by, uh, Simon gets captured by goblins, a hobgoblin that Seth Rogen spits on Jared's eyes. Was sentence. Yeah, a hobgoblin who is Seth Rogen. Not played by Seth Rogen, a hobgoblin who is Seth Rogen. <laughs> spits on his eyes. Oh, I call you Boggart, honey, in the beginning. There is a, the, the brownie is a little small creature in the house who's named Thimbletack. He's actually a, a good monster. He was friends with the author of Spider Spiderwick. When he gets mad, he turns into a thing called a Boggart. Not from Harry Potter, but a gray little ogre man who looks like Shrek. And then he gets calmed with honey. So Josh is Boggart honey because we do weird nicknames in this podcast for goddamn no reason. And now I'm stuck doing it for all eternity. What happened in this movie, Josh? Surprisingly, not a lot. <laughs> really not much. It was enjoyable. It falls into the curse of families not believing each other who have no reason to not believe each other. For That's why I said that Jared's a menace, but he deserves to be so. Because <laughs> no one is actually listening or paying attention to him. Like, he's a dick, but they're a dick to him first. <laughs> like when it's they, retaliation. Like, when he's poking the wall and then accidentally, you know, shows where the dumbwaiter is, th- there's a lot of stuff that Thimbletack had stolen, like her, like his sister's medal, and he's, and she's just like, how'd you do this? And he's just like, you really think that I stole this and then replastered the wall? And she's just like, well, I don't know how you did it, but I know it was you. They'd been there for less than a day at that point. They'd been there for, like, a few hours, maybe. How would he... That's one of the things, it's, I was looking at Stranger Things, when they see the body get mutilated in front of them, and like, hey, you still did it! I don't know how, but witchcraft. Like, <laughs> really? It, this, was a, it, this movie had issues with that, for sure. Um, I know it happens in the book, too, but you could at least build on maybe a backstory of him lying a lot. Because he also, in this movie, never shows a history of lying by anything we've seen. Yeah, like, if anything, he's a great truth teller. 
We have no knowledge to to suspect otherwise. I guess the idea is, well, they don't believe him, so maybe he lied in the so we can assume he lied in the past. I'm not going to assume this man was a liar. He does not lie in this film once, so there's no reason for him to have been a liar in the past. So there's also a thing that um, Mallory gets her hair tied to a headboard, like very much like the book picture as well, which I think is like, they can recreate that. That's kind of fun. But I guess in a bunch of different knots and strands all across that I have no idea how she got undone that fast. That seems like a complete menace to do. Menace? This is like a complete awful... A bitch to do! There we go, that's a good word to use. <laughs> they blame Jared because he's the troublemaker, he's mischievous. And even though, again, we haven't seen him do anything like that. And what's funny about it to me is that he was literally in a footlocker reading and Simon, his brother, who he shares a room with, vouched for him for that. And they still think he did it. He literally has an alibi that was corroborated. But uh, of course, it was it was him. He did it. But they, I mean, they also don't believe his truth-telling brother either. And that's not <laughs> like what? I don't know. There's a lot of things in this. I'm like, that's an odd choice because that. But it worked. Some there's things here that worked in the book, and it might just not adapt well as live action. For instance, the very end when Mulgaroth, the big bad, the monster, the way he gets defeated. I think works a lot better on a page as a funny, like, satisfying subversion kind of thing than it does in a movie. I mean, to be fair, they did build it up. Yes, and I think they built up the way that the bad guy, the way our good guy could defeat him. I thought I thought it was a clever way of, of doing it. I would have liked our heroes to do a bit more actual fighting to him first instead of just running away. I mean, every time they got close to him, he would just smack them out of the way. I will say, my favorite moment in this whole movie is, I love you, stab. <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine if he had been wrong. Because <laughs> in reality, that scene... Let's break that down a bit. <laughs> well, okay. Our big bad is a shapeshifter who turns into our hero's father, who is away because he cheated on his other mom and moved on and is now with someone else. And that's what he is supposed to be telling. How would you describe the rest of the scene, John? Okay, so Mulgarath, who's pretending to be his dad, comes in, and he's just like, whoa, this is weird. What's going on? And, you know, Jared at first thinks, like, Mulgarath oh. is the villain, by the way, the big bad. Yeah. And Jared has, you know, so far no reason to believe that it isn't his dad. But then his dad immediately is kind of like, oh, wow, what's that you're holding? And he's holding the book. And Jared's just like, okay, that's weird. And so he's like what was the thing you wanted to tell me on the phone that you, I need you to tell me? Like, because now Jared knows what's happening and he needs to hear it from him because he knows that if Mulgarath can't answer, then that's not his dad. And his dad's just like, uh, I just wanted to tell you I love you. And Jared's like, nah, and Wrong stabs answer. him. <laughs> <laughs> Which reminded me a lot of Percy Jackson. Yeah. Like, that is such a Percy Jackson kind of move. But seriously, that was great. It also shows how fucked their relationship is. Yeah. <laughs> but what's funny about that is in real life to me, I feel like put in the spot, the dad might just say, I love you in real life or might chicken out. If he's chicken out this long and not answering the phone, you think he would all of a sudden just say it in front of everyone? He, okay, he might say, let's talk about it later. I, I can't, you know, there's, there's, yeah, you're right. That's uh, ways he probably could have gone away. But, but the fact that I love you, is the word that triggered him to say, my dad wouldn't tell me that. <laughs> to to be fair, after he said, I love you, he tried to, you know, take the book from Jared again, and Jared's like, nah, stab. <laughs> if you didn't get by this point, if you're not in the movie, which is 20 years old, 
the bad guy wants the book. This book is a magical book. It's a special book. This is called Spider Chronicles because a boy, not boy, a man named Arthur Spiderwick, a young boy, a very old boy actually, uh, wrote a field guide documenting this weird world he found. You know, like the three journals. <clears throat> and it has samples, it has rocks, it has wings, it has all these different things. It's a really cool book, which I wish we dove, which I wish as an audience we got to see more of. Just saying. It's a whole field guide. We see like three creatures, or whatever. You know? Stupid. But Arthur Spyrick wrote this giant book of amazing things, and Jared finds it. He reads it in the footlocker like earlier, which Simon doesn't believe he's reading. He he loves his book, he reads it so thoroughly, and then it has much knowledge about the entire world. The whole like spooky world, the the unnatural world, if you will. So Mulgrath, the big ogre, wants to conquer, maybe? Is evil for evil? It's not really made clear. And so he wants the book because it has all the knowledge of everything else around him so he can conquer things easier. That part makes complete sense. I would have loved it if there were literally any obstacles for our heroes in this movie. Yeah. It's very linear for them. Not even a struggle to do one thing. Let's go to Aunt Lucinda. Okay. Let's get back. Okay. Let's go see Arthur Spiderwick. But he's dead. Maybe not. Okay, let's go find him. Oh, we need a griffin to get there. An old wood elvish. Ha. Ah, damn. We should just... We should, that path won't work. Actually, it will. It's written right here. Cool. I... You'll, if, <laughs> if they find out you're here, you'll be stuck here for eternity. We'll leave. Okay. Like, it's just... No consequences. I love how, after the first time, Jared takes the book outside the circle. He knows how bad it is to take the book outside the circle. Yet, every time he leaves the circle, he takes it. <laughs> Oh, there's a circle. So the circle is a magic circle. It's a protection spell, like in Gravity Falls. And it would have been really cool if they... I think it's interesting that they don't do it more because they use the bad guys use a potion on the first circle. Just keep making more circles, bitch. How much potion can they have? <laughs> Why'd you ever stop circling? I also want to know how we discuss... How Arthur Spiderwick... I think that spinoff to this would be really fun of Arthur Spiderwick. Of, of just him figuring out all this stuff. Yeah. Like, how do you find out tomato sauce was a bomb for goblins? <laughs> Which, let's talk about that again. Because a bomb for goblins specifically? Why tomato juice? I love the fact that this movie has so much mass murder in it. There's a lot of death in this. Like, and it's not, like, tame. You see limbs melting, faces being destroyed. Like, it's not... It earns its PG rating. Yes, which I'm actually glad about. This is the same rating, rating as, like, Inside Out, Josh. That's stupid. I think also, overall, the creatures look decent for the CGI. Mulgaroth, the villain, does not, which is upsetting. Yeah, like, overall, like, I was surprised by how pretty good the effects were in this. Especially since more of the creature, most of the creatures we see in this movie specifically are disgusting. Yes. So the bad CGI parts make up for that. They, it enhances the disgustingness. Yeah, I think I just really want to see a slower pace. Just give me two and a half hours at least, and then we can see the whole world and these more creatures. And it would be adding some stuff to the books potentially in some parts, but that's not a bad thing. When they go find uh, Spirewick, like at the place wherever he got taken to, it's clearly like a different world dimension thing i don't know and they never explain what it is or where they are 
Also, the Griffin is just a magic train ride. Like it, it doesn't. It's an automatic teleporting device. For, it's just, I'm, I wish that there were consequences to a lot of what they did. Uh, I guess there are some, like the fact that he took the book out in the first place, and then the story happened. But that's not like a really a consequence. That's just shit happens. Yeah. I still love the detail. I love this in the book too about the whole thing with the the sight. Yeah. Because I wonder how many people that hobgoblin has spat on. <laughs> this this hobgoblin played as Seth Rogen. No, no, sorry. This hobgoblin who is Seth Rogen spits on people's eyes, and then the chemicals of his spit get into your eyes, and you can start see seeing the world called with the sight, like true sight in D and D kind of. And it's it's a really cool idea. Otherwise, they has a thing called the seeing stone, which is never called that in this movie. I mean, guess you can see it's a rock, and you can see through it. That's interesting. But also, it's hollow in this, right? Yeah. I thought it had like a, like a lining of glass or liquid sling in between the things you're seeing through in the book. I thought. I guess it's a lot easier in a pop department to just make it how it is. Can we talk about also that catch? Mallory has to catch this rock while fighting goblins she can't see. And she catches it perfectly. She's a skilled person. Why is that she not the main character? <laughs> it's like in uh, fucking, what's that movie? Transformers? Where the main character is Shia LaBeouf for no goddamn reason when it should have been Michaela. Yeah. Who is competent, interesting, strong, has a backstory. Shia LaBeouf is just like, I'm a suburban kid. Then I'm like, oh, cool. You're you literally are just a man. That's always the other the lead part. But the Hobgoblin is interesting. I wish we saw more of them. The fact that he has a tragic backstory where his family was, was his entire family was murdered by Mulgaroth. I mean, they were touching that like much. Like, it's just nothing has weight. It's all too fast. Yeah. What is the best part of this movie to you, Josh? Ooh, Besides the I love you stab. <laughs> I think the best joke is when they're going to see their great aunt. They come out of the sewer and there's this um, troll that's coming <laughs> after them. And then a truck runs over it. And the guy comes out of the truck and he's just like, did I just run over someone? And Jared's like, yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, he sees the green goo, like the blood, the guts on this, this truck. And then doesn't question that. My favorite Lies movie is from Aunt Lucinda, their old crazy aunt, who they go see because she wasn't actually crazy. She saw, you know, the creatures, which I have a lot of questions about. I want to dive into that in a minute. But I love when they visit her. There's a line that she says that made me so sad, and we do not talk about it again. She gets this giant, like, chunk on her arm, a bite mark on her arm. There's a Lies movie about self-harm. She says, they say suicide. I say fairies, and then you get sent here. Yeah, that was a really good line. And I'm like, oh my god, that's insane. Because I think that she's committing self-harm and trying to kill herself. Of course, she's like, ah, fairies, goblins, a goblin did it, I was bitten. And they think it's just, she's crazy and she's going to keep hurting herself. And I'm like, that is incredibly dark. How long did she last as a child before she needed to get help? That is a great question. Because when she is six years old, Aunt Lucinda, her dad, Arthur Spiderwick, is taken away by little fairy sprites to the weird world we talked about earlier. She was six. <laughs> she would die. But she didn't because she grew up in that house still. Fill the pantries with tomato sauce, all that stuff. She actually fully has them. She had her a will. Mr. Spirewick even, like, made mention of, like, his wife. So, like, I guess she was there with her daughter. 
I guess that's true. Did that mean that the wife thought she was crazy as well? That is a great question. Because what did you think your husband was doing? He was just putting salt everywhere. You're saying that's not a normal thing to do? But, like, his life's work, this book. He's just going out every day and just putting stuff. Like, I found fairy wings. Look, I have proof of it in my book here. Uh, I don't believe you. Like, what? What is the story here? I have way more questions about this family that I don't I don't care about Jared, Simon, and Mallory as much as I care about the Spider-Wick themselves, the Fat Family. A follow-up question to that. There is a painting or picture. I think it's a photograph. Aunt Lucinda, the ma her mom, and her dad are their Spiderwick. All together. She clearly is a young woman in that picture, but her dad was gone when she was six. What? <laughs> I think it's just a matter of the PD was not discussed properly at that point yeah it's just there's some weird things that i isn't that family more interesting to me than more interesting to you than the actual main characters yes the more the more you think about it it's like oh there's a story here but yes i agree that line about i think the truck part you mentioned earlier was definitely the funniest line the whole movie i think this movie made me want to watch lights out again because they fucking believe each other (laughs) yeah that's a good movie david sandberg he's a good director yeah I think that everyone should go watch this movie right now on HBO Max. Or sorry, when this episode com- comes out, it'll be called Max. Yay. Do, what do we, do we, wait, hold on. Do we just go to Max.com then? I have no idea. Because that's confusing to me too. I feel like this is not enough time of a window change to let people know who have HBO Max. That, that it's a new website, right? Uh. Like there are moms or something who might go in there once a month or something or two months. You know, it's just, uh, the rebrand is stupid. I think that this movie, yeah, it's faster than it needs to be. It has a lot of heart in it, though. Yeah. Both Freddie Highmores are working their butt off. <laughs> I would love to see more of the Mallory actress as well as the mom actress do more stuff. Yeah. I don't think, I've, I've looked them up. I've actually not seen them in pretty much anything else at all. So I'd love to see them more stuff. I might go search them out because they're also great performers. Although the funniest. You said the funniest line, funniest line in the movie is a truck bit. My funniest line in the movie is not intentionally funny. And I said it to you last night. They're in a car on the way back from seeing Aunt Lucinda. It's Jared, Mallory, the sister, and their mom who sees them. And she's mad at them for not being in the house, for just skipping. Which, in the book, they're skipping school. They're skipping. Like, that's why she's so angry also. Is that she, they skip school she's, and the, Mallory skipped fencing. I'm like that's a lot more interesting than just just did you know going to see Alison and she's being mad at you for some for you know no reason. Weird, right? Yeah. There's a line that in the, in, the, in the car where she says, "What happened?" And if you say like fairies or magic or goblins, please just don't. And then she's turn says it is, and then Mallory says it's true, like backing him up. You know, another person that you should believe as a mother. All your kids are saying this now. Maybe it's true. And the way she says, no, it's not, like, is so hilarious to me. The aggression she has snapping back at her children. She has no problem yelling at her kids the entire movie. And she talks about that, saying how she's trying to work on not yelling anymore. Proving, you know, parents are still problems, they're still working on stuff. Not the best parent in the world. But also, no, it's not. Go look at that one clip near the end, or after the Aunt Lucinda part in the hospital. It's really fucking funny. It's true. No, it's not. <laughs> just like, goddamn. 
believe your fucking kids, like, get your priorities right? What a weird character. That mom needs help. She needs therapy. They all do. <laughs> Everyone in this movie needs therapy. What is the weirdest part of this movie to you? I have one. Uh, I don't know. For me, it's that the, at the end, when Arthur Spiderwick returns, first up, the whole moment of him returning and see, Aunt Lucinda seeing him feels like a season finale of a show moment, like, wrapping yeah. after everything's yeah. happened. Like, I literally feel like I'm watching the end of a season. I'm like, this is not earned. Nothing at all with Arthur Spiderwick is earned because there's no mystery behind him. There's no, like, and you can have like, a lack of mystery, but like having some kind of build up to him at all of like seeing him being a big deal at either point we see him. Neither time is a big deal. Like, why did the sprites send him back to just take him back away again? Like, what? why did they agree to that? That's bizarre. But my question with this scene, that's weird. Why did they turn her back into a little girl? Yeah, that's weird. I think the idea was we can she can get off a life with him now that, that he missed. But it's very weird. Because, like, now she's an old woman in a child's body. Does she have to go through puberty again? Well, he never aged, so maybe she's not going to? That's even weirder. I don't know. Because if she was never going to age, then why not just bring her there? As she is. But, like, I, get, I thought the idea was that she should have, you know, a full childhood. Because if that's the case, period again, menopause again, all those other health issues, having to, you know, relive. Do you lose memory? Like, that's, I have questions. That's the weirdest part of the movie to me, by far. I would rather watch this than... Uh, Phantom of the Megaplex. Oh, yes. Any other thoughts on Spider-Man Chronicles, the movie, besides it should be a TV show instead? I think it's fun. The potential for something very interesting and cool is there. But I th- I think with the runtime, it just doesn't help its case. Does this movie make you want to read the books instead? It, d- it does pique my interest. and It makes me want to seek out the series. That's one thing, one thing about the movie I think it could do well, is make people want to read the books and fill in maybe some of the blanks. That's... I think the best part of it to me, honestly, is that, hey, there's something better. <laughs> like, like even like the last Airbender movie, for all the shit it is, it still makes you want to be like, oh, let's watch something better, the show. And then like, comparing this to the last Airbender in terms of insulting this, because this is not nearly as bad as that at all. It's just no. kind of fun. Like I said, I enjoyed this very much. But I think what I enjoyed most about this was the world it set up, and I want to dive more into that, and I want to see these characters live more. I want to see Mallory besides just older sister who has a sword. I want to see Simon besides maybe autistic, definitely nerd. Like, as just... <laughs> I'm just imagining that on a poster. <laughs> Simon, maybe autistic, definitely nerd. Honestly, I think we need that on t-shirts. People would probably buy that t-shirt, though, for real. Oh, yeah. All right, Josh, you know what it's time for? Uh, things. You know what segment's next. You know, what is it? You yell things at me. That's the, that's the whole show. What is this? <laughs> this uh, segment is called Super Weird Stories, where I yell at Josh. Ah. Ah. This segment is what goes to different things in comic books, uh, mostly but things that are about comic books or comic book culture or superhero culture and discuss weird, interesting, or wholesome, problem- problematic things. But today, I'm not giving you a story. I'm giving you just kind of fun stuff. Yay. You've seen Guardians 3. I have. And you've seen Guardians 1. Yes. And you've seen the Guardians holiday special. Uh-huh. uh-huh. What character is only in those three movies? Uh, Cosmo? Yes. Aha! Uh-huh. And we're going to talk today about Cosmo the Space Dog. Yes. <laughs> I know that make you happy. I like Cosmo. 
Cosmo, if you're not aware, in the movie was gender bent to a girl instead of a boy from the comics, which of course got people mad for. They're changing the the dog's gender to woke. Like what the fuck? It's a dog. The reason why though, James and actually the reason for that, it's not just because why not. The reason why is because the actual Soviet space dog it's based on was a girl. They're trying to they're trying to make that part more realistic. I'm like okay, cool. So if you're not aware, the Soviets did send a dog to space in real life, which I think is just a funny concept in general. And that dog went through stuff in real life. We will not today talk about reality, because reality does not matter here. <laughs> Cosmo's space dog was a test animal, for, and this is now in in Marvel Universe. This is Earth 616, not movie 616, Earth Prime, the main universe Marvel world. Cosmo's space dog was a test animal for the Soviet space program during the Cold War. His spacecraft drifted out of Earth's orbit, eventually sending him to nowhere, you know, the celestial head we saw. Uh, a disembodied celestial head turned space station. He was mutated by cosmic radiation, gaining psychic powers, and became chief of security at nowhere. As one I does. I wish that was in the movie. I think that was actually in the Guardians of the Galaxy game, I think. Because Cosmo in the first movie was just a prisoner. Cosmo helped Nova. Like, uh, if you're not aware of the Nova, there's the Nova Corps in Guardians 1. But Nova, this is referring to, I think, Richard Ryder Nova? Yes. Um, who was the first main Nova character we get, like the superpowered Nova in the Marvel Universe. This, this sentence for you, Josh, is going to be wild. Ready for it? Yes. Cosmo helped Nova fight off zombies. Naturally. On the, on the head of nowhere. And charted a course to a planet called Kike. Kitch? Kitch? Kvitch? It's one of those. K V C H. Kvich. Yes, it is Kvich. Uh, so you try to of course to play it Kvich to find a cure for the trans mode virus which created those zombies. I want to see that movie. The Nova movie should be Cosmo and Nova fighting zombies. Yes. I would watch the hell out of that. That's a new Disney Plus show. Dog, man, zombie. <laughs> Cosmo allowed the Guardians of the Galaxy to use Nowhere as their base of operations and help them when needed. I love that Cosmo allowed the Guardians to use it, as opposed to the movie, the Guardians kind of just own Cosmo as their dog, which, yeah, it's fine, too. Also, Cosmo becomes an actual Guardian in that movie. Interesting. That's fun. It is fun. Cosmo is a good dog. So what do you think so far about this fighting zombies part? Kind of fun? Yes. When the Guardians disbanded after the Thanos Imperative, which is a thing we're not, we don't have time for that today, uh, Star-Lord left, with Co- left Cosmo with a task to form a new team called the Annihilators, which we talked about before in previous episodes. And Cosmo convinced Silver Surfer, Gladiator, Beta Ray Bill, if you're not aware, is the real holder of Stormbreaker like in the comics, Quasar, and Ronan the Accuser to join the team. Ronan is different than in the comics than he is in the movie. Because <laughs> that team would be very funny if Ronan was the exact same way and just wanted to kill everyone. Yes. But I love the idea of a team with Raider Ray Bill, Silver Surfer, Ronan, and Cosmo on a team. Cosmo is just a cool character in general. And so far, what do you think of these fun little things we've told you about Cosmo? This, I would love to see a Bay Ray Bill and Cosmo team up. <laughs> Are you ready for a quote from Cosmo? Sure. That does it. That enough. No more Mr. Nice Dog. Now Cosmo will hurt everyone. <laughs> I think Cosmo deserves to hurt everyone. 
because Cosmo is good dog. Yes. So let's dive a bit into the time of uh, the Cosmo had on the planet of the head of nowhere. Like I said before, Cosmo met a very distraught Nova shortly after he witnessed Suspenser turn into a zombie, um, someone that Nova knows. He told Nova that he was on nowhere, a city built inside of the head of a giant you know, celestial, and something called World Mind then informed Nova that he had deciphered the writing on the wall, which was a countdown of a timer. And that timer showed that, and that beings from all over the universe have come to nowhere for a kind of front row seat to observe the end of the universe. Cosmo brought Nova up to speed on the, on the events, and the Xandarian world mind added any data he had, he had at his disposal. Cosmo explained that he was mainly concerned with the safety of the remaining citizens of nowhere, of course, naturally, who were safely hidden away in a dimensional envelope he wore on his collar. Naturally. Cosmo, Cosmo's a good chief of security then. <laughs> I, I keep all my people on my collar. Where they had gone into hiding after a group called the Luminals brought something in, in a big box. Not long after, Cosmo and Nova... That doesn't say what it is. They brought something in a big box? Okay. Uh, not long after, Cosmo and Nova were ambushed by more zombies. Some of which were surviving members of Suspensor's former team and determined that the, cre- uh, the creature known as Abyss was behind the mayhem. Together, they fought off the attacks and sealed Abyss back inside his prison, and Cosmo then charted a course into the birthplace of the Phalanx, the planet Kivich, in hopes of helping Nova to find a new means to cure the transmitted virus that was slowly killing him. Alarms were triggered in the, in, when an infected Gamora and Drax, under the control of the Phalanx, slaughtered many residents in the search of Nova. Cosmo arrived too late to stop them, but before they, but before they could follow the same path as Nova uh, through the con- Continuum Cortex. So they found the cure and stuff, well, I just fucking love that he had people in an envelope in his collar. <laughs> I I think no, but Cosmo is just a, a good little boy, good, good dog. Yes. You might be aware that Cosmo has a white spacesuit at all times to keep himself safe. He also has a tesseracted storage crystal chip. Built in a lab on nowhere, Cosmo wears it on his collar. This finitely, finitely powered hardware can store the entire population of nowhere in an instant. What a wild ability to just have. Let's get in my collar like that's <laughs> that's crazy uh, also according to the xandarian world mind here's a fun fact cosmo is a golden retriever labrador cross mix with all this information have you determined today if cosmo is good dog or bad dog i'm gonna go with cosmo's good dog what part here is most interesting to you so far i, I gotta say the envelope on the collar <laughs> not the zombies fighting us alongside nova now that's pretty part for the course Fair enough, but um, an envelope on the collar that stores the entire population of nowhere is cooler to you or more weird? It's it's a bit out there. I gotta say, I agree with you. That's our episode. That's why I have today on, Nova, on Cosmo. Maybe next time I'll bring you even more Cosmo facts. You never know. I can always bring out more Cosmo facts. Good. That's our episode today, guys. My name is Sean. Like I said, this is Josh. Uh, I don't know why I'm introducing us now. <laughs> 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 I'm in a closet for too long, not in the gateway, but a literal closet. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the episode. Please email the show at podgeekspeak at gmail.com or tweet at us with hashtag geekspeakpod and or at geekspeakpod on Twitter. And you can find me online at Twitter, at Twitter, at the theater nerd, or on Instagram or TikTok at that nerd in theater. 
and theater is E-R, not R-E. Josh, where can people find you, Rudy Rudolph, online? Oh, I'm at places. I'm on Instagram at G underscore Rudy 16, Twitter, G underscore Rudy 28, and YouTube at Josh Rudolph. That's, that's a wrap? I, I guess. What did you think of the Meg 2? You excited? Who who isn't excited for the Meg 2? I want more sneaky sharks. I'm so happy for more sneaky sharks. <laughs> um, next episode will probably be about Fast and the Furious. We'll see. Um, in theory, we might have a guest on. We might be talking. We might go down a rabbit hole of nine different films, or ten different films. I have to watch ten films. <laughs> Dear God, you got this. You did give me a lot of movies. He gave me all the Fast and the Furious series, and I am scared because I've watched them all one time, and that's so much. You'll be fine. Do you, think, do you think they're worth it to general audiences? They're definitely worth it. It's not until, like, four when the series really finds its footing, and then five when it's like, yes, this is very good. I think it's a really funny selling point. It's like, it's a, it's like when people say, you know, season one, season two, season three, they're pretty bad. Season four is where it's at. Yeah, but I mean, like, the first three, like, there is there is something of value to them. You gave the fucking first one a five out of ten. I still had fun. <laughs> oh, DVD players. What a what a journey. <laughs> anyway, that's our show, everyone, today. Uh, go follow us. Please give us a five-star review on your podcast app of choice. Um, it really helps the show out. And please give us your support on Twitter. And, like, um, on email, it would, again, really help us out a lot. Thank you all so much for listening today. We will see you all hopefully next week. Woo! Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.